0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I need to go to the phones because we've had some folks waiting patiently and they're on topics I want to talk about anyway. I have a brilliant call screener. He does great work, except when he cops an attitude. (laughs) All right. Sorry, he's listening right now. Wes, you're going to be up first. Wes, welcome to the program. How are you?
1: Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I wanted to uh, talk real quick about the vaccine mandate. Um, my understanding is that Joe Biden issued an executive order wanting employers with over 100 employees to have the vaccine mandate. Right. But it was held up with a federal judge. So, I, mean, I no, 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 no.
0: Uh, it was not first held up with a federal judge. It was first held up because he issued, uh, a statement that he was going to do it. Then he issued the executive order and then it took a while to formulate the regulation for implementation. And then a federal judge held it up.
1: Gotcha. So my company is a fortune 100 company. Mm-hmm. Um, they just sent me an email yesterday saying we have 15 days to submit this information. And it was pretty, pretty threatening. I mean, right. they want to know what vaccine I had, the date I got it. They want a copy of the vaccine card. And those either not fully vaccinated or unvaccinated will be subject right. to additional screening and testing. And if you dared send any incorrect information or anything, you would be terminated. Right.
0: Yeah, listen, a lot of companies are using, and by the way, this is uh, one of the things that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals felt compelling in saying it wasn't an emergency, is Ron Klain, the White House Chief of Staff, uh, retweeted someone who essentially was saying that the purpose of the mandate was not to force companies to do it, but to give companies cover to do their own mandate. And so a lot of companies are blaming the White House, even though legally, uh, I mean, the Fifth Circuit has held it, uh, enjoined them from being able to do anything. Uh, they're still trying to go ahead, and, and the companies themselves can do it. So the White House now cannot punish the company, but the company can still punish you because you're
1: an employee of the company. Um, and but I think companies – Most of us work from home, and I mean, I am vaccinated. I just think it's an overreach.
0: Oh, I do of too. what
1: they're trying to and I think there's a lot of people. I mean, so my question is: Are they really concerned about people's health, or is it just posturing? Is it? Is I it honestly
0: think it's so. The the uh, the the management level and the CEO level, the suits really do think that they are forcing their no good, good for nothing, hick rube employees uh, to save the world by getting vaccinated. Uh, they think they're doing a social good. Uh, what they're doing is they're fostering contempt for senior management, uh, and they don't realize it. And we now know that the vaccine, after six months or so, you're going to have to get the booster. We're going to go through this all over again, and then over time, the booster may fade. Uh, I think that companies have handled this terribly. Delta is one of the, the few exceptions, I think, in handling this. Now, listen, uh, you need to understand, your CEO is probably lean socially to the left. And he's got to go be acceptable at the cocktail parties. And he himself thinks he is saving the world by forcing you to do this. So he doesn't really care about you. He cares about his social standing. That's part of the problem we have in the country now is these elite executives care way more about themselves than they do their employees. Uh, As the ultimately, when it comes to the vaccine, though, uh, let me talk about Delta for a minute. I'm not sure Delta went about it precisely the way they should have, but their alternative has been far better than their compatriots in, in the airline field. Uh, American and United and other airlines are forcing employees to be vaccinated or to get fired. Delta's not making you choose to get vaccinated or keep your job. What Delta is doing is they've said to their employees, listen, our healthcare costs for COVID are higher than they are for flu and other other issues. So if you don't wanna get vaccinated, that's fine. But we are going to raise your insurance premium, and again, it's because their costs related to COVID are so high. Given so many of the treatments of COVID are new, the the um, medical options there are very expensive. The economies of scale haven't caught up yet. They are, but not yet. So we're going to raise your premium, but we're not going to fire you if you don't if you don't want it. And I think that's the way to go. Now I've got a friend of mine. If you want the other end of it, if you want the absurd end of uh, company governance. I have a friend who works for a company and this company's policy is mandatory vaccines. If you don't get vaccinated, you're going to lose your job. And if you do get vaccinated, you still must wear a mask in the office at all times. And you still must twice a week have a nasal swab stuck up your nose. That's anti-science. Now this is a tech company. You would think they would be pro-science and that is completely anti-science that is contrary to the guidance of everyone. This is risk management and uh, liability prevention for scaredy cats. That's what it is. You know, and this is perfect here because I was gonna talk about this anyway. And I I, I wanna tell you a few things that are, are on my mind on this. Don't look now, but there are reports of a new variant coming out of France, a country that has forced everyone to get vaccinated. I am now completely and fully bought into my theory that the press in the United States has PTSD from COVID. Most of the major press outlets are in New York city where they had to deal with untold suffering over COVID and lots and lots of death. And many of them know people who they worked with or family members who died of COVID and they have PTSD and they cannot cover it accurately or fairly or consider new data. They are stuck. And as a result, they want the rest of us to be stuck as well. And all of their coverage is fearful. And all their coverage is condemnatory of those who do not comply. And Anthony Fauci is making matters worse. If I were the Democrats and I wanted to mitigate the damage that's coming in 2022, I would put Anthony Fauci in the witness protection program and never allow him to rear his face on television again because he is making matters worse for him. But here's the thing the Democrats don't appreciate it and they don't understand it because the Democrats overwhelmingly represent the coastal enclaves of the United States where COVID hit the hardest. So they too have PTSD. They are scared of the disease, they are fearful. This is not contrary to what some of you wanna believe and what is, is prognosticated in certain segments of conservatism, a matter of them wanting to control your life. It has nothing to do with them wanting to control your life. It has to do with them being very scared of COVID themselves, being to the point of irrationality about COVID because they are scared of COVID, because of what happened in New York and LA, and also, and very importantly, because they totally, philosophically, fundamentally bought into the idea that we were going to get to COVID zero and we will never, ever, 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 ever get to COVID zero. And so they are broken and do not know how to go forward other than to live by fear. It's not a, not a, not a coincidence that these people do not have any faith in anything other than science and science has failed them. Now, the rest of us are going to be subjected to their failures and their fear and their doubt. And that's sad, it's very, very sad, but it's where we are as a country uh, until we have an election and things shake up. Uh, the Democrats, you need to understand this, and I'm not making this up. The Democrats have intuitively, philosophically, fundamentally, they bought into the idea that all of you are as scared of COVID as they are. And they're operating on that presumption When I think at this point, most Americans are ready to get back to life and they can't get back to life because the Democrats are too scared and intuitively or instinctively, fundamentally, philosophically, they bought into COVID zero and it's never coming. When you have no God, then you have science and science fails you. You got nothing else to fall back on except fear. That's where the Democrats are in their policies. Now, let's go back to the phones. 877 nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. Dan, you're going to be up next. Welcome.
1: Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. You sure. Hear me? Yep. Absolutely. Thanks for taking a call and, uh, prayers for your family. And I pray that the horse hair is strong uh, strongest steel.
0: <laughs> Thank you very um, much.
1: Um, and my thought is on this, is, and you're very good in this area. Um, the BIF has passed where they're going to do the infrastructure bill, supposedly signed it. And then BBB is trying to be passed, whatever. But BBB has reconciliation. And that is the only way, supposedly, they can increase the debt limit. And without the debt limit, they can't afford anything that's even in the BIF, let alone the BBB. So is it possible that McConnell and them are looking to force them into a point where they do what they did with Obama? And they say, you have to cut all these things by 10, 15 percent or we won't sign it.
0: Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I've been behind the scenes, and I, I've been open about this on radio. I've had conversations. Yes, uh, I, I think that's where we're headed. Uh, I think it's where we're headed because the Republicans are getting the upper hand on this. Now, for those of you who don't, don't really understand what, what Dan is talking about, look look down the line. What's coming? What's coming is they've got to pass a short-term continuing resolution by December 6th, I think it is. And they also must pass a debt limit hike by December 6th. And the Republicans have been telling the Democrats, if you don't do these things with reconciliation, we're not going to do them. The Republicans will pass the short-term continuing resolution because it doesn't adjust spending at all. They will not raise the debt limit. The Democrats know they're going to have to do it themselves, and it's going to get filibustered with no Republican help. Here's what I suspect is going to happen, Dan. I think that Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, when they get the CBO score, it's going to force so many cuts to the Build Back Better plan in the Senate that they're going to say, forget it, we're not going to vote for it anyway. And then they're going to be able to do a reconciliation measure that does some very minor things that Sinema and Manchin will support and raise the debt ceiling. Or in the alternative, a Republican senator tells me, one of the things they're thinking of doing is they will kill Cinnamon Mansion, will the build back better plan. And in exchange enough Republicans in the Senate will vote to overcome the filibuster to raise the debt plan. In that case, they're not going to get the spending cuts I want, but McConnell himself, I think is realizing we're going to cut the spending. Dan, thanks for that phone call. This is really, really important. They've got to cut spending. You can say raise taxes, but you know, if you, if you taxed all the billionaires in this country, you'd get enough money to fund the government for about half a year. It's how big, if you took 100% of the money of Jeff Bezos and, and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and all the other billionaires out there, you might be able to get eight to nine months of spending if you took all their money. And all their money, by the way, it's hypothetical money. It's not real money, it's hypothetical money. Because you'd have to sell all their stock and that would cause a stock market crash. But let's say you could. You could sell it all. Take all that money in front of the government. You wouldn't get a year. You got to cut something. You got to cut something. And they don't want to cut anything. And the Republicans are angling to force them to make cuts. And here's the important part. The Republicans want to force the cuts with the Republicans not in power. Because then the Democrats can blame the Republicans for the cuts. And right now, there's nobody to blame except the Democrats. Because they're in charge and they're handling it badly. The way we use the internet... Well, it's changed over the last decade. Security tools have mostly stayed the same. Aura provides complete digital security to help protect your online accounts, finances, devices, and so much more in an easy-to-use app. Most credit card companies do a good job of protecting you against fraudulent purchases. But what if a scammer files for unemployment in your name or if your social media account's hacked? Aura's protection goes beyond your credit card. Between your photos, your finances, your devices, your connections— Your world's more online than ever. You may have security systems in place for real life, but what about your online life? Aura can sound the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. They provide digital security protection. They keep your online finances, your personal information, and your technology safe from online threats. It's all-in-one protection for identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, so much more. With Aura, you'll get notified to fraud and threats fast. If your online accounts, your passwords are leaked online, someone, you're going to be told by Aura. Like a lot of people, they won't tell you. Aura is easy to set up. All plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover stolen funds and experience U.S.-based customer support that's got your back. For a limited time, Aura is offering you guys 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You go to Aura.com slash Eric, again, E-R-I-C-K, You get complete protection. You get savings of up to 40%. That's aura.com slash Eric, A-U-R-A.com slash E-R-I-C-K. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Get back to your calls here in just a minute, but I've had the story open on my browser the entire show, and I want to get to it. I'm going to read this. From Bloomberg Green. The headline is the electric vehicle invasion is already here. The adoption curve is getting steeper than anyone thought. Until recently, car companies not named Tesla had a general stance on electric vehicles. We'll start making them in mass when people start buying them in mass. The late Fiat Chrysler chief executive, Sergio Marcioni, went so far as to implore drivers not to buy his company's seminal electric fiat. The unit economics were so poor, he reasoned, that he lost money on every sale. Well, people are buying electric vehicles now, partly because the climate is simmering closer to a boil, and partly because the auto industry is finally making appealing battery-powered machines in volume. Ultimately, the whither and why is less important than the what? Drivers around the world will buy about 5.6 million electric passenger vehicles this year, according to a new report from Bloomberg NEF, released in concert with the COP26 UN summit. We're seeing higher demand. They say in particular, demand is coming from Europe. Now, I need to go back to a key paragraph here. People are buying electric vehicles now, partly because the climate is simmering closer to boil and partly because the auto industry is finally making appealing battery-powered machines in volume. Do you know what is left out of this? What's left out is the massive mandates from the European Union. The European Union is forcing people into electric vehicles. It doesn't have to do with people's choice I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about the, the new F-150. They're going to make it here in Georgia, the battery for it. And it's going to take forever to charge it. And there's no guarantee it'll be able to haul a boat, haul your bass boat or haul your trailer around uh, in any sort of way comparable to a gas-powered vehicle. In fact, they're being deeply nebulous about these issues. In Europe, however, people have less and less choice in which to buy cars. They're being forced to buy battery-powered vehicles. Now, there's another problem in Europe as well. The Europeans are headed into an energy crisis, and some parts of this country will soon be headed into an energy crisis because they're rushing into renewable energy that does not keep up. So I don't know if you all know this or not. This is news to some people, apparently. But when the sun goes down... Solar panels, they don't work. And this too may be news to some of you. When the wind does not blow, the windmills do not produce energy. So when the wind does not blow at night and the sun does not shine at night, there's no power. And the Europeans have not yet invested in sufficient battery technology to hold the day-produced energy to send it down the line at night. And they're not building nuclear power plants either. So they're having to import natural gas from Russia, which is making the Russians rich. It's driving up energy prices. This country, there are parts of it that are doing the same thing. You know, Texas learned the hard way that they were uh, trying to save money. California learned the hard way and that they were trying to save the environment. Those of us in Georgia and in Southeast States, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, where we're actually, uh, it seems like our power power public policy is for the production of power. So we pay a little more than Florida or we pay a little more than Texas, but the lights aren't going to go out in an ice storm unless the lines come down. That's a different matter. Uh, We pay less than California does because we're not so interested in uh, global warming that at the expense of our health and safety so we we pay a balance we're bringing online a nuclear power plant here in georgia first nuclear power plant brought online in this country in decades we have coal burning power plants there's a giant solar farm it's gonna be the largest in the southeast down the road from me and along the coast there are windmills where the wind tends to blow uh but my gosh the environmentalists are screwing up the power grid in europe the europeans are forcing people to buy battery-powered cars so yes More and more people are buying battery-powered cars. It turns out if you put a gun to someone's head and say, buy this car, not that car, or else, they're going to buy the car that you forced them to buy. That's essentially what European policymakers are doing, except it's not a gun to their head. It's a raid on their checkbook if they try to buy uh, a gas-burning car, and it's a punishment to the car manufacturers. They have artificially skewed the market. And the downside for them is that they haven't kept the power grid up with the demand they're going to have. Remember, in the wintertime, those battery-powered cars don't hold as much charge, so there's going to be a lot more demand on the power grid than the Europeans have power. That's going to cause them all sorts of problems that, thankfully, we're not going to have. But you know what? The progressives in this country are going to demand that we do the same thing. Eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Take your phone calls when we come back, and then we need to talk about mental health a little bit. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877 I am delighted uh, to, to have great callers today. All of you need to be commended. Your calls have been great, and I want to spend some time with you before I get to this mental health thing. Oh, man, wait until you all hear this audio. First, I want to go to Whispering Pines, North Carolina. Frank, you're going to be up next. Welcome.
1: Hey. <clears throat> hey, Eric. Right? Hey there. Hey, good to talk to you again. Hey, I uh, probably could do a lot on your uh, thing with the electric vehicles and that. But the main reason I'm calling is the, is the United charging more for the uh, vaccine, you know, for non-vaccinated people for the health care. Well, why mm-hmm. don't they do that for everything else, too? You know, what about the people that are overweight, uh, diabetes? Why aren't they getting charged more for it? Right. Uh, I've tried to do a lot of research and come up with, like, what are the real numbers on everything with COVID? And they're just hiding the data, to be quite honest. You know, so many deaths and so many cases. Like, what are the breakdowns on that? And you just can't find right. it. It's yeah. And, like and, and you, you saying, know, they, this is
0: one of the reasons I, I think they did the data so poor early on. Why some of the conspiracy theories cropped up of people weren't really dying of COVID. COVID. Well, you know, the number one cause of death of COVID is a heart attack. Uh, it's it's not uh, suffocation from your lungs filling up. And so it, they they made it very hard to find the data. But to your overarching point. It is a frustration of mine. And, you know, look, I know I got to lose weight. I'm working on it. And it's not just the gym. I'm, I'm learning that I got to change my diet and that sucks. But uh, mm-hmm. it is overweight people have a greater risk of dying of COVID than a, a thin young person. People over 60 have a greater risk. And then there are the people who have the other problems in life. Uh, the people who smoke, uh, what are their insurance premiums? Some companies do charge more, a lot of them don't. What about the people who aren't going to the gym and are overweight? Uh, what about the people who aren't changing their lifestyle? It seems like we are missing conversations. When's the last time the president came out and said you have a greater risk of dying of COVID if you are fat, in poor health, and don't exercise? Uh, but we're not allowed to fat shame. My gosh, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to tell people who are overweight that you need to lose weight. Uh, and right. that causes a breakdown in honesty in the conversation. So, yeah, I'm actually, I'm, <laughs> Frank, I'm glad you raised it because it actually is something I've been meaning to talk about and I'm really frustrated by because we're not being honest with ourselves on COVID. We know what the data says, and we're choosing to ignore all of it because we don't want to offend people. But if you are a man, who is morbidly obese, I'm talking hundreds of pounds more than you should be. You have heart disease. You need to lose weight and get in shape and you will do more to protect yourself from COVID than almost anything else. That's not to dismiss the vaccine. I'm very pro-vaccine, but we shouldn't make the vaccine a panacea because we know that people are getting the vaccine and getting COVID. You need to do these other things as well. It's like the, the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Dude is a football player. He's in shape. He's not going to die of COVID. And frankly, until he had it, he wasn't spreading it around to people. And, and everybody got freaked out about it. He shouldn't have lied. But I can see why he lied, given the freak out. Now, to the phones, David, you're going to be up next. Welcome.
1: Yes, sir. Good afternoon to you. Always a pleasure. Enjoy your Thank show. You. Um, <clears throat> one point that I that you made about the uh, petroleum and the situation with the batteries and everything I remember a movie several years ago called Chain Reaction, and uh, basically this guy invented hydrogen that produced energy, enormous energy from water to whatever, whatever, whatever. And the bad guy said at the end of the movie, he goes, the world is addicted to petroleum. You can't just throw it off the side of the mountain, so to speak, and then think, okay, you can have hydrogen energy that fast. You've got to wean it off. And that when you said that about the oil, you know, and when Biden cut off everything, both supply lines, if you'd figured it out, if you go to electric cars and everybody eventually gets there, you're going to get there where there's less addiction, so to speak. I just want yeah, to put yeah, that in there to you.
0: You've, you've got to throw so much other stuff there. Uh, that, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I was actually reading a very fascinating article. And David, thanks for the phone call. I, I was reading this article last night on the search for fusion energy. And, you know, a lot of people say it's a scam because there were scammers who promised cold fusion, which is not a thing. Fusion is possible and can be done at very small scale. And essentially, fusion is combining hydrogen atoms. So fission is when you split an atom. It gives off a great deal of energy. The original atomic bomb dropped in Hiroshima was a fission bomb. Fusion gives off even more energy. Fusion is what happens at the in the sun where hydrogen Atoms are pushed together to fuse into uh, helium atoms. Essentially, if you take... Um, so hydrogen has what? One proton, one electron. Helium has two. Helium is very stable. Uh, hydrogen has a proton, electron. Helium has, has two. Uh, if you take... Um, if you take... Let me do my math now. If you take two helium atoms and you take four hydrogen atoms. The four hydrogen atoms actually weigh more than the two helium atoms. Now, if you do the basic math there, the four hydrogen should equal the two helium, but they don't. And years ago, years and years ago, someone realized that the loss in weight was the release of energy. When you combine the two hydrogen atoms, To make a helium atom. And it is that fusion that generates the energy. And it generates a ton of energy. Uh, We have never dropped in war a fusion atomic bomb. But we have tested them. And they are ferocious. The greatest release of energy that we can do is fusion. Now I want to read for you real quick the opening to this in, in the New Yorker. I was fascinated by the intro here. Let's say you've devoted your entire adult life to developing a carbon-free way to power a household for a year on the fuel of a single glass of water, and that you've had moments, even years, when you were pretty sure you could succeed. Let's say you're also not crazy. This is a reasonable description of many of the physicists working in the field of nuclear fusion. In order to reach this goal, they had to find a way to heat matter to temperatures hotter than the center of the sun so hot that the atoms essentially melt into a cloud of charged particles known as plasma. They did that. They had to conceive of and build containers that could hold those plasmas. They did that too by making bottles out of strong magnetic fields. When those magnetic bottles leaked, because as one scientist explained, trying to contain plasma in a magnetic bottle is like trying to wrap a jelly in twine, They had to devise further ingenious solutions, and again and again and again they did. Over decades in the pursuit of nuclear fusion, scientists and engineers built giant metal donuts and gyres-twisted coils. They pinched plasma with lasers. They constructed fusion devices in garages. For 36 years, they have been planning and building an experimental fusion device in Provence, and yet commercially viable nuclear fusion energy has always remained further on. As the White Queen and, looking, and through the looking glass said to Alice, it's never jammed today, it's always jammed tomorrow. That's fusion. It is very, very hard. It's It's real. We're on the cusp of it, but we're not there yet. If you could get fusion, you could change everything because fusion is actually very, very safe. People think of it like fission. Fission, what we have in our nuclear reactors today, generates waste products that are radioactive for thousands of years. In fusion reactors, the waste product is radioactive for maybe a decade. It's easy to store, generates less waste. A lot of it is helium, which we're short of on the planet right now anyway. It has the potential to be life-changing. And yet, Governments and private industries are not devoting a lot of resources to it because there have been a lot of hucksters and scammers over time. And those hucksters and scammers over time have burned people out on, on trying to find it. And yet we are closer than we've ever been to it. I'm actually fascinated by fusion energy. If you listen to this program occasionally, I talk about uh, how uh, the various ways to conduct electricity. And most of it is creating steam to spin a generator, to move a copper coil over a magnet to produce electricity. Fusion is actually one of those ways you generate plasma and electricity can flow not just by the heating of water and, and turning generators, but actually can flow through the wiring. It's a fascinating way to create energy, and yet we can only do it on a microscopic scale. Now, it, well, I should say and uh, test cube scale. Now, here's the interesting thing. Do you know what happens? They do do the fusion in a vacuum. And this is always one of my questions, because, you know, think of it. You are generating plasma that is hotter than the center of the sun. What happens if there's an explosion? In fusion, this is where it gets really remarkable and is contrary to what a lot of people think. You can't really have the explosion because the plasma only exists in a vacuum that is held together by uh, magnets if the plasma gets out of the vacuum and hits air, it goes out. It is easier to put out a plasma reaction in a fusion chamber than it is to blow out a candle. That's not me. That's the actual science. I am fascinated by it. And so many people have tried for so long to get it and they cannot get it. It is not within reach. In It, it seems closer every day, but like the white queen, and through the looking glass. It's never jammed today. It's always jammed tomorrow. We need the jam today, and we're not there. Now, I want to switch gears because I I bookmarked this audio. I I need you to hear this audio. I had to make sure it was safe audio to play because occasionally the libs of TikTok account, it throws something out at you, and at the very last minute, it throws in a potty word. I need you to hear this, and I need to talk about this. This is from the libs of TikTok account, and I just, I, I, I need you to hear this This person. Do you see this person next to me? By the way, there is no person next to this person. E is my friend. C has had to put up with a lot to get to where Pur is today. I just want to let Glint know that Thon is valid,
1: that Ver pronouns are valid, and that Sarah identity is valid. I wish Boyd all the best and look forward to maybe even seeing some of their lovely content someday. Please. Treat them with respect, and I'm sure A will respect you too.
0: Y'all, this person has a mental health issue. The war on pronouns is a fight over mental health. And this is bizarre to me that we are here in the 21st century arguing over pronouns. And I don't have time to do the dissertation on this. I wanted to. But I just need you to understand that so much of the conversation we're having about stuff like this is really a fight to avoid having to talk about mental health. And whenever we have a mass shooting in this country by some kid who's from a screwed up family with a screwed up life, nobody wants to talk about the mental health. We just want to we want to take away the guns. When are we going to have the conversation about mental health? I don't think we can have it And on a theological level. Yeah, I'm going to go to the theological level. I think there's a spiritual fight. That's causing the mental health issues, which is why we can't have the conversation over mental health because we're dealing with a spiritual issue. And, you know, separation of church and state, nobody in government wants to have the conversation about the crazy people out there. Because if they did, they would have to talk about things like the demonic and the spirit and the soul. We can't talk about those things. I will talk about those things. And some of my listeners will think I'm insane. But we are dealing with spiritual issues in this country for which the government offers nothing and the church offers the answers, but no one wants to go to church anymore. And you know what's amazing is that we now have Democrats out there. There's a report. It has just hit the wires in the last few minutes. I want to read you a tweet on this. This is a report from Business Insider. It turns out... That the, that the left is about to dump money into a campaign whereby they will attack Republicans on education. Now, how are they going to attack Republicans on education? I'm trying to pull up this tweet. Yes, this is from Darren Samuelson. He is the bureau chief for Insider. He used to work at Politico. Let me read you this from Business Insider. Democratic strategists plan to get aggressive on critical race theory. They will argue Republicans are putting politicians in charge of the classroom and white supremacists in charge of curriculum. That's their plan for 2022. That's their plan to respond to Republicans in education. They have let the inmates run the asylum now on the Democratic Party side. And they're going to lose badly in the midterms because of it. All right. I have a little secret. The entire show, I have been in line waiting for my turn to buy ownership in the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) I've always wanted to own part of the Green Bay Packers. They've only opened the queue for ownership. Uh, I think five or six times in the history of the team, and they've opened it today. And I am the next in line, and i got to go get my kid from school. (laughs) I've been waiting. I mean, I've been checking. I've had the window open the entire show, uh, glancing over to see see when my time is, and I am supposed to be the next in line, and I'm still waiting. And that's frustrating, but that's okay. I'm going to buy me some ownership of the Green Bay Packers, and I will be... I will be happy, happy, happy to do that. Now, I want to tell you guys something. I, I, I can't suggest vigilante. I don't want to suggest vigilantism. I, I will just tell you that today is the day that the authors of the 1619 Project are publishing their book of historic revisionism to say that all of us are racist and everything is racist and the country was founded in racism, and and racism won't go away. And I just, I I don't want to suggest to you that you should go to your local bookstore and make sure it's been moved to the fiction section. I I would never suggest vigilanteism like that, but I might applaud you if you moved the 1619 Project books to the fiction section, because it is fiction. It's revisionist nonsense uh, to, to claim that this country was founded in 1619 based on slavery, because that's when the first slave entered Virginia, you know where the slaves were not in 1623, they were not in New England. And in fact, New England got rid of slavery before Great Britain did. People forget about that. Uh, The selective retelling of American history that is not based in fact, but in feeling is going to be the death of this country. That's what they want. Ultimately, Uh, they believe that the United States constitution is invalid. They believe the United States Constitution was founded in white supremacy. And the only way to get rid of it is to delegitimize this entire nation, which is what they want to do. They are playing with fire. Now, the reality is it's going to be a tough road to hold because they didn't think people would push back. See, what the intellectual elite in this country have done is they've paid these people to absolve them of their own racist sins and blame everybody else and say racism is everybody else's fault. And they've allowed them to pursue this book, and none of them ever thought anyone would stand up to them because they have lost touch with the way our country actually operates. They believe the country is racist and any pushback is racist, but actually it's patriotic. It's not racist. It is racist to lie about the country and claim that it's all about race when it's not. Race certainly played a part. No no one should deny that race played a part in this country. Uh, But the idea that we can never move on from it, that it is woven within our systems, and they are therefore illegitimate, is fabulist. It's a mythology that allows people to sleep well at night on the left to think that, oh, well, I mean, we're always going to have these problems. We're going to have problems always in this country, just not those problems. And it's remarkable as well, and I've said this repeatedly, it is remarkable to me that as we have as a nation moved further and further beyond race— We've had our first black president, our first black vice president, multiple black men on the Supreme Court. The race hustlers who make money off of perpetuating the racist narrative have screamed even louder because ultimately what this is all about is they're about to be out of an income stream. They have profited off racial division in this country. It's not working for them. They're about to lose out on a paycheck. So they've got to stir the pot even more and do it louder as this country moves on from the legacy that we've had related to race in this country. They can't let it go, but we should. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, We're big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this, spend 10 minutes with them, call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com, that's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. firstlibertyga.com.